Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm so pleased to have Marcia Moody, the accomplished uh, author and writer, joining me on this episode of the Beauty Podcast. But perhaps more importantly than all of those achievements, she's also my dear, dear friend. And I don't get to see Marcia as much as I would like to. Um, She now lives on the coast, so we are not 20 minutes away from each other as we once were. Uh, So catching up with her was a real treat and it was a quid pro quo. It was a Silence of the Lambs style you help me with this and I'll come on to the podcast. So I gave her a few hours of tech support <laughs> because she'll be very comfortable with me saying that she's not the most technically savvy with a few things and I tried to help her in uh, the best way that I could and then we reclined on my sofas, got ourselves a nice cup of tea and just had a chin wag and she talks to me about her Weight Watchers column. She's the current uh, Weight Watchers columnist and she is on a weight loss journey which you can follow on Instagram and I will put the links into the show notes. She's written two very high profile autobiographies, not autobiographies, <laughs> biographies. Sorry Marcia, you're wonderful but your autobiography will come I'm sure. And uh, we also talk about some of the most uh, interesting experience she's had. She's flown all over the world and interviewed some incredible, incredible people and she tells two amazing stories about spending time with some really big names who just dazzled her and uh, she also talks about going to the Oscars you know chatting with Brad Pitt that kind of thing so stay tuned we we just have a nice lovely natter as I say with a couple of cups of Earl Grey although I think Marcia may have gone herbal Um, but there we go I hope you enjoyed this episode of the show everything that we talk about will be covered in the show notes and if you have any questions as usual log on to emmagunnawarder.com send me an email or tweet me at emmaguns Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Beauty Podcast with me, Emma G, and Marcia Moody. Did you ever see, back in the day, when Victoria Beckham tried to interview David Beckham when she decided Victoria's Secrets? No. Yes, she ended up on his lap. That's not going to happen. No, I can tell you that for sure. But that's what this feels like a little bit. I feel a bit silly interviewing you. Yes. Or having, no. I feel like you're silly as well. <laughs> you did. Um, because, why? Because we've known each other for a long time and we yeah. have spent the last four hours talking. <laughs> you're feeling me in on Real Housewives, yeah. Real Housewives, everyone should, I think you can, okay, here's the thing. You can learn a lot from the Real Housewives. Mm-hmm. No, in how not to behave. <laughs> Right, I'm going to take your word for that. Mm, just buy into one franchise, mm. please. Perhaps. 
Okay, joining me in this episode of the Beauty Podcast is Marcia Moody. Marcia is an author, a journalist, um, a badass. <laughs> Only at weekends. Um, a seamstress. Uh, no, you're a rower. You're not a seamstress, I made that yeah, up. Yeah, no, unless I'm sewing together words. <laughs> no. No. Although one would say you created beautiful tapestry with your mm. words. Mm. Um, a rower. Yeah. And at the moment, um, she is currently the columnist for Weight Watchers magazine. I am. How is that going? Oh, I love it. Um, it's not something that I'd ever particularly thought of before. Um, I think I'm one of those people who it just kind of wasn't on my radar. And then when it started to get a lot of uh, publicity in America, when they started getting their big sort of celebrity ambassadors, mm. that's the kind of first time it came onto my radar um, because I was kind of intrigued about the transformation mm. um, and then for myself I yeah I just kind of ha- I, I sort of had this idea of, about what it was um, and it just sort of didn't feel particularly relevant to me mm-hmm. you know and part of, all my life and then I did some work for Weight Watchers magazine at the beginning of the year, so sort of end of last year, beginning of this year. And as I was talking to the women that I was interviewing, there were three who had all uh, been incredibly successful with their weight loss. And then they'd also sort of translated that into massive success as food bloggers. So it was kind oh. of like a two-pronged success story. And as I was talking to them, I, I just... It really sort of affected me. And mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, God, they're fantastic you know they've worked really hard uh, to sort of get where they are, and I just found them really inspirational. Like, there was just something about the way that each one of them spoke and the things that we covered that I found really inspiring. And I had been carrying some extra weight for a while, and I'd always kind of thought, well, it's my fault. You know, it's up to me to do something about it. And I would have like half-hearted attempts where I'd sort of think, okay, I'm going to join the gym or you know, just sort of try and eat a bit better and never stuck to anything. Um, But after speaking to these three women, I thought, okay, I could do this, actually. Uh, So I I approached Weight Watchers uh, and with myself, basically, and sort of said, this is my story. How about this? (laughs) Yes, how about... Have it! How about this? How about (laughs) me? Uh, And just sort of said, yeah, this is my story... Um, I, would you be interested in someone who, you know, hasn't even walked through the door of their first meeting yet, um, the journey from start to finish? And, and of course, you know, I'm a professional writer, so I kind of would know how they would want mm. me to approach it as well. And, uh, and they said, yes, please. Yes. And I was thrilled. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. So what do you think would be the sort of as you are on your journey at the moment what do you think is the biggest takeaway so far from it in terms of the change that you've had to made in your had have had to make in your lifestyle Mm. in order to accommodate the plan and therefore be losing Mm. uh there's actually quite a few things it's really been it's been a really big thing for me it's been it really has sort of taken over not taken over it's affected so many different areas of my life in in really good ways so I guess the main thing is it's taught me about portion control Mm -hmm. because 
I think that had sort of got very sort of skew with over the years. <laughs> um, so that that was one really good thing. Another thing is that it's taught me a bit about nutrition because the way that Weight Watchers works now with the smart points is that it calculates um, calories, saturated fat, sugar and protein. And so it automatically makes you start thinking about sugar and saturated mm. fats and calories. So it just kind of makes you a bit more aware of what you're putting in your body and what is in things. And I remember early days when I was doing it and I was out and I just sort of thought, oh, sorry, I'm going to have a coffee and a blueberry muffin. Um, and I had that and I thought that won't be too bad. And when I looked it up, the blueberry muffin, I think, was about 20 points. Bearing in mind, I'm uh, I'm on 30 points a day. Oh, crikey. So <laughs> I had no idea that it was that high. And it just kind of made me think, oh, shit. <laughs> but also, I thought, did I really want that blueberry muffin? Or would I have preferred to spend those points on something else? Mm. And I think... Pretty much 100 times out of 100, if I had the choice between spending 20 points on a blueberry muffin or something else, I would choose the something else every single time. So it's kind of made me realise that it's an either-or situation and it's not about depriving yourself. Mm. You know, as the plan says, you know, you can sort of eat anything you want, but it's kind of in moderation Mm -hmm. and it's it's like checks and balances. So if you put something in, you take something out and it's just about balancing your checkbook, basically. Good choices, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, if I could choose where to spend, you know, sort of an excess few points, generally it wouldn't be on a, you know, blueberry muffin. Blueberry yeah, muffin. A, a blowout of one muffin that's gone in like, you know, 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like to see that. <laughs> Literally. So, portion control, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because I followed Weight Watchers a few years ago and yeah. had great success with it, and it was just. Every week there was a loss, and it was like, yes. Um, and it's, it does kind of make you look at other areas of your life and think, well, if I can do this, yeah. I can do anything. Yeah, kind of. Ish. <laughs> Have you had that kind of... Has it given you self-confidence? Yes, it really has, because when I was left to my own devices... Oh, Lord, when I was left to my own devices... I've I... seen you with a bottle of wine, my friend. <laughs> Just the one. Never. Um... Yeah, so left to my own devices, I have no off switch, or I find that difficult to locate my off switch. And so uh, it, it puts things very, you know, very much in black and white. Mm-hmm. So you, you sort of know how to monitor yourself, how to moderate yourself. And so because you are doing that and you're adhering to this plan, and if you do it, you get the results. And it's that's mm-hmm. basically the bottom line. So that def- definitely has given me confidence that you can see what you can achieve and it makes you feel like you can achieve something whereas in the past when I was kind of just sort of drifting and saying oh I'll do it by myself mm. and that wasn't working mm. you know I didn't have like the structure um which clearly I need that is something so huge about anything like this it is about the structure it's following a yeah, framework absolutely yeah it's almost like you spend your childhood thinking I just I don't want to have to go to school at this mm. time and I don't want to have to and the second you get freedom, you can get a bit drunk on it. Yeah, yeah. With anything. Yeah, and I'm yeah, I'm very much like that. So, the structure has been really good, and yeah, and it and it does kind of just bolster your confidence because you just think, 
I haven't been able to do anything about this myself for whatever reason for years. Mm. And now, because I'm following this plan, um, I am seeing results. So it makes you think, yes, there are, are, you know, things are achievable. You did something incredibly brave because normally when you look at any sort of weight loss magazine or healthy living magazine, um, the photos that you see of people Mm. are the afters. That's when they Mm. have their super glam mm. uh, makeover yeah. and then the before picture is sort of a grainy picture yeah, that's sort of used yeah. very almost like a profile shot yeah um but you did a full photo shoot at the yeah. very start of your journey yeah, yeah. that must or oh, i'm gonna put words into your mouth which i don't mean to but was that exposing was that uncomfortable uh a bit yes but i'd sort of prepared myself for it so, yeah, when I first was thinking about what that meant, yeah, you know, nobody mm. wants to be standing there with a spotlight on you, literally <laughs> a spotlight, because it was, you know, a photo shoot for a magazine, um, not looking how you would like to look. Mm. So, yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the most sort of relaxing or easiest, you know, thing that I've done. But you know me, like, I am all or nothing, mm-hmm. 100%. So I just thought, when I decided to do this, I was like, right, let's do this. Mm-hmm. So let's do it all. Um, when you say you prepared yourself for it, was it just, I'm doing it, I'm not going to think about it too much, or was there, like, a making peace with it? What did you think about? What was any? What was the worry it's just being seen, you know. I'm a writer, so mm. I, I'm not in front of the camera, ever. And I've never wanted to be in front of the camera. I don't enjoy being in front of the camera. No, you never courted it, have no. you? So, uh, so, yeah, that was weird, because I've never been that kind of writer, that kind of journalist, where I've kind of been the case study myself. This is the first time I've ever done anything like that. So it just felt very exposing, you know, and I'm happy to sort of, I've been happy in the past to sort of talk a little bit about how I feel about things, but when you're being looked at and scrutinised a bit, mm. physically as well, it's um, it was a new thing for me, so I just kind of thought, okay, just kind of in for a penny, in for a pound, you know, if you're going to do this, you know, you do it 100%, mm. and, and I just, yeah, it was just kind of gearing myself up a bit, I guess. And I spoke to you afterwards, and you were really happy with the photo shoot. Mm. You had a really great day with yeah, the team, great. and you loved the pictures. Yeah. So there was a wind machine. What? <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. Everyone should have a wind machine. I know. I felt it was like a teenage girl's sort of pop star dream. <laughs> <laughs> Is there footage of you just like enjoying the wind machine, no. a la? No. 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 No, no videos. No. Um, but it must have been like if you're starting a journey w- with weight loss or any kind of physical tr- transformation whether it's going to the gym dieting or anything at the beginning there's almost a conversa- an internal conversation or certainly has been for me in the past of going I don't like where I am now mm. I'm not happy with where I am now and you just have to sort of plough on and trust mm. yourself to get you to whatever point. What was nice about that experience is that you were at that place, you were at the, I want to deal with this, mm. and and you felt good in your skin then then too. Yeah, yeah definitely. But it, and it took me a while to get to that place, because mm. 
I, there were all sorts of things that I needed to get sorted out in my life first because the job that I was in, like the relationship that I was in, the where I was living, none of those things were right for me. Mm. And so it was like I couldn't address the fact that I was carrying some extra weight and wanted to do something about it. I couldn't do anything about that until I'd kind of sorted out, you know, the sort of internal things, mm. like the, the job, the relationship and the and where I was living. So it did sort of take me quite a long time to get to that point where I was ready mm. and where I could properly sort of say, I'm, you know, I le- okay, let's do something about this now. Hmm. Well, how did you... We've had this conversation before, but um, we are the sort of people who tend to find ourselves, for want of a better expression, me more than you, admittedly, <laughs> but find ourselves in the centre of a clusterfuck. Of? Of... I, I, I'm in a situation where I'm unhappy with this, 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 and this, and it's quite right. overwhelming. Yeah. You just talked about job, relationship, where yeah. you were living, etc. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that that was a bad situation. Yeah. But just um, having to take on any of those things individually can be quite taxing. Yeah. Taking on all three at once mm-hmm. is like, whew, yeah, quite major. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you problem solve? Uh, with each of those with those things generally. Um, I think it's an ongoing process, really. I don't think that there are any sort of hard and fast rules. Um, it's just a case of trying to be aware of what makes you happy and what makes you unhappy. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of pointing yourself towards the stuff that makes you happy and fulfilled mm-hmm. and away from anything that sort of makes you f- feel this isn't good for me. Mm. And so I think, you know, I've just kind of learned to do that a bit better as I've got older, maybe. Um, it's not necessarily uh, a conscious, you know, ticking off a list thing. It's just kind of, yeah, being aware of, I think this is this is a good thing for me to do. I think that's probably not as healthy thing for me to do. Mm. And just steering yourself away from it. Yeah. Because one of the things I've always noticed about you is you're very good at the advice giving because you are able to be really pragmatic. Right, yeah, I can't apply it to myself though. <laughs> well, that's why you're a good <laughs> advice giver. But you always, but you always have been. Because I've come to you in the past and be like, Marcia, this has happened! And blah! And just start like literally spewing emotional <laughs> words and hot tears in your face. And you go, okay, well, one. Or two. Yeah. Or three. Where do you get that from? Um, well I think it's I think everyone finds it easier to address or look at other people's concerns Mm -hmm. more than their own I think probably most of us are like that anyway Mm. because you have that sort of you know you can take a step back Uh, and then also I think just sort of over the years I it's kind of like problem solving so I sort of I'm thinking if I want the end result I try and do it with myself as well but I'm certainly with friends I'll sort of think what's what do we want the end result to be mm-hmm. and how do we get there and so I, I try and break it down so that it doesn't become mm-hmm. like this kind of big ball of wool you know so everything's all messy and intertwined it's kind of trying to sort of separate it out so that you can then deal with things. 
Mm. And I, I, it's just, I think that is kind of an instinctive thing. Yeah. I just sort of think, let's separate these out and then kind of figure out how to deal with each one. Make them into smaller pieces. Yeah, and try not to just let everything get on top of you and sort of think, okay, it's really easy to feel overwhelmed. And mm. when I think you're feeling overwhelmed and not at your best, it's then really easy to sort of think, and that, oh, and there's that as well, and that, and that, and that. And you're kind of like, it's this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. It's the straw that, that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, and it's just kind of a mass of stuff. Mm. Um, whereas actually, <clears throat> if you separate it down, separate it all out, then often some of the things aren't as big a deal as you thought they were. You're just kind of thinking, oh, and there's that as well. Mm. Um, but if you separate it out and sort of look at each thing, then it can be a bit easier. It's all, Actually, it's always easier to deal with. Yeah. It's a good tactic. Mm. Break it down. Yeah. Don't yeah. make it into a blueberry muffin. Make it into, <laughs> I don't know, 10 yeah. celebrations. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Glass of wine. Half of nuts. <laughs> Maybe. Um, now, I want you to talk me talk to me about the process of writing a book mm. because there is that old saying: um, everyone's got a yeah. book in them, yeah. And yet, you produce books. Mm. How did you find that? And how did you find the discipline uh, to actually sit down and, and create books that now sit on the shelves in huge bookshops? Well, I think at the beginning you don't think of that because I think if you were thinking of that it would be terrifying and you wouldn't be able to start you know Mm. if you were sort of thinking I'm writing a book this book is going to be in you know Smiths Mm -hmm. and in airports you know it's you I think you it's such an intangible part of it that bit that you just don't even need to concern yourself with that so um it's, it's like everything you just kind of start at the beginning so, you know, you, you start with the research and start with sort of what you, what you feel like you're trying to say and, and then sort of work from there. And what I find is, you know, sort of a good way of sort of starting things, because I, I do have a problem with starting things, and that's sometimes whether it's like a big magazine feature mm. or, <clears throat> you know, a book. And... Like you know, instead of starting with a blank page, I'll start with notes, because, you know, if you're just staring at a blank page and you're trying to start with how you want this book or this feature to to begin, it's the pressure is too much mm. because often when you do start a process, you don't know actually what that sort of hook, that very very beginning hook mm. is going to be. You know, you might figure that out you know you'll figure that out along the way and so I don't actually start off you know sometimes I don't actually start technically at the beginning with this blank sheet of paper Mm. I just make notes and I carry a notebook around with me and I will often make notes you know anywhere if something sort of strikes me or I get an idea about something Uh, and then it becomes less intimidating as well because you're not kind of starting with this big dramatic pressure-filled beginning with a capital Mm. B you know you're kind of you're kind of just kind of swimming around and pulling things you know at the beginning and and just kind of yeah just kind of testing the water and yeah and just kind of getting a feel I remember one of my very first editors saying to me never write your introduction first no 
No, I mean, you can have an idea of how you want something to go. You know, how, like if you're trying to sort of paint a portrait of someone, mm. you know, you're sort of thinking, okay, I, I kind of get the gist of who this person is. But you're always going to learn a lot more. Mm. So I think it's good to have an idea setting out, but it will evolve always. Like, you wrote two incredible biographies. So I always think I can only, um, the only similar experience I have is sort of writing profile pieces on celebrities that I interviewed. Yeah. And you do, you wear that person as a second mm. skin. Your, your biographies were on <laughs> the Duchess of Cambridge yeah. and Prince Harry. Harry. Yeah. But how on earth do you get into that? Well, I had been a royal correspondent for several years previous mm-hmm. and that's what led to you know being writing the books so there was that sort of awareness anyway and you know when you start doing a job like that you immerse yourself in it especially at a time like this mm-hmm. as well you know because I became a royal correspondent around the time that of the royal engagement and then the wedding mm-hmm. and so you know I sort of completely immersed myself in all of it um and was reading about royal history, and then it kind of feeds out into all these other different areas as well, um, you know, like religion and politics and the military and world affairs. You know, it really does sort of bleed mm. into lots of different areas when you start learning about royalty, basically. Um, and so I was kind of f- familiar. I had that sort of background anyway, that, you know, that sort of basis um, when I started writing the books. Um, and again, because I was a royal correspondent, I went out on tour with the royal family when they went off on their royal tours around the world and, you know, went to engagements and covered them there, um, and, and met them as well. So by the time I was writing the books, I, I had a pretty good feel Mm. for them, you know, as much as you can have a feel for them. And then during the process of the books... You know, I was sort of interviewing people who um, had known them at various times in their lives, you know, childhood, teenage years, you know, through work or some of their charity patronages and sort of interviewed all these different people. And so you start sort of building, mm. you know, building a picture of of the person that you're Do you feel like you just about. become not obsessed? Because I'm not suggesting you're a stalker because <laughs> I know who you were. But do you feel like there comes a point where you just start looking at the world through what you think would be Kate's eyes, or do you do you know what I mean? Like, do you wear their? Yeah. Are you um, looking at things so much? Yes, definitely. Yeah, because you, I feel like when you are writing about someone, and you are sort of, you know, you're breathing life into mm. something. That's what that's what it is when you're writing about anyone whether mm. it's a piece or anything actually whether it's a feature or whether it's a book you're bringing it to life aren't you that's that's what you're trying yeah. to do you're trying to convey something you know you are a communicator if you're a writer you're sort of trying to sort of explain something to someone or you know evoke something mm. so yeah so I think because that's your that's what you're trying to do you do sort of wear it and you think about that person and you think about how they must have felt at certain times in their life, you know, and you want to sort of empathise with them mm. so that you can sort of get a feel for them and then that kind of comes through in the book. 
Mm. And it feels like, hopefully, a sort of fairly accurate representation of them because the feel is kind of baked in. I was talking to um, a therapist the other day who does holistic massage therapy and um, was actually asking her about the technique of blocking energy when she's working on somebody. Oh, yeah. Because obviously her her thing is to give people good energy as well yeah. as a treatment. But um, having done some ghost writing um, and similar writing to the way you have, I sometimes really struggle to put that person down at the end right. of the day. Oh, you're so method. I'm so method. I'm Jared Leto as the Joker. Yes, you really are. <laughs> um, no, but I do. Yeah. And I th- and then sort of everything goes to print, and you feel a bit bereft because you're like, oh, that's yeah, done now. I didn't have a problem with that actually. Okay. I'm Leonardo DiCaprio in this <laughs> story. Does he not go full method? No. Apparently, he is out of. He's not in character in between. And then it's uh, action, and he's there. Do you know what? That makes me feel so much better, because I've been reading a lot about Suicide Squad, and Jared Leto going method seems ridiculous. Yeah. Because he's only in the film for, like, eight minutes. Oh, really? I haven't seen it. Um, But, yeah, no, well, it's just kind of what works for you, isn't it? True. I don't want to diss Jared. Both these folks, both these guys have got Oscars, so, you know, whatever... What works for Jared clearly doesn't work for Leo... Um, and um, yeah so you just have to find what works for you basically but I think for me yeah I definitely sort of you know got into that mindset and got into Mm. you know sort of thinking you know god how must they have felt at this time or whatever but yeah after when I sort of stopped typing and stepped away from the keyboard (laughs) then I would I wouldn't have any problems sort of Oh. leaving that behind there might be like a little buffer like mm. a little purgatory <laughs> like a little I don't know like you know that sort of buff. yeah a little buffer zone a little residue yeah <laughs> um, but um, yeah and then I would you know go off and you know I wouldn't be talking to people <laughs> as if I was <laughs> royalty <laughs> I kind of wish you had <laughs> yeah I don't know how realistically that would have <laughs> I don't think it would have lasted long down. no so yeah no that, that was fine it wasn't Marcia Moody calling for Emma Gunnard <laughs> I should be calling at 11.12 I have seven and a half minutes please tell her to be prompt yeah oh, I don't know maybe that might work we should, we should all try and be yeah. a little bit royal is the way Perhaps. I look at it now you and I have both enjoyed um, the similar experience of being small country girls small mm-hmm. town villagey type people yeah. you actually are from the west country uh-huh. and you had an accent at one point which you do not have I know. no more no well it was when I was really little and there was a tape which I heard when I was a bit older and I was really surprised because <laughs> I was talking about going to see the cows <laughs> and had a proper Wiltshire accent and I was actually saying to my parents like why don't I speak like that anymore we beat it out of you no what? yeah no I think my mum had um sort of made a conscious effort to not have a Wiltshire accent because she wanted my brother and I to not have the Wiltshire accent really yeah how interesting yeah but there was so I'm a small time Kent girl yeah um 
And we both then found ourselves in there. Yeah. <laughs> thrust into the... Big smoke. Into the, into bright the bright lights, lights big, big city. city. <laughs> <laughs> um, without naming any name. Well, first of all, why, why were you attracted to the world of celebrity journalism? And I, I mean, I wasn't in the beginning, really. I always loved writing, and I was always writing awful poetry when I was a teenager. I want to read it immediately. You may not. <laughs> it's really sort of self-indulgent, cringy. Clearly that I hadn't sort of experienced anything, you know, <laughs> trying to sort of sound like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> and so I'd, I'd always loved writing. Um, and then when I moved to London, I did some work experience for Red magazine and loved it you know, really enjoyed it. And that kind of got, you know, started Mm -hmm. me out in the magazine industry. And then it was just kind of the path that I followed, really. You know, journalism is really hard to get into, as, you know, everyone who is in the industry knows. Um, And so you take opportunities with both hands Mm -hmm. and learn, you know, just try and learn as much as you can from them and... um, and, and, you know, just sort of work hard, to, you know, to sort of do as much as you can and um, do the best you can. So, yeah, I sort of moved through the industry, sort of early stages when I was just kind of starting out. And then the, the big opportunity that came to me was in celebrity journalism. Mm. And so, yeah, so, you know, I took it with both hands. See, yeah, for me, it was the fact that I was so I thought that where I lived was really, was really boring and nothing ever happened. Mm. And so I'd watch Big Breakfast, and when they got to the celebrity news at 10 to 9, <laughs> I would literally have my head in the screen. I'm like, I want to be there. Ah, oh, I didn't know that. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Like, we've known each other for, God, like 12 years? 2004? 12 years. Yeah. And, you know, you don't always have those kinds of conversations. No. So yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know Certainly that. not when you're sitting at that desk and no. you don't want to admit, oh, I just used to watch the telly and I wanted to meet famous people. <laughs> I mean, actually, for me, I'd always loved Hollywood. Mm. Oh gosh, always. Yeah. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, like I stayed up and watched the Oscars every year. Um, you still do that every year. You stay yeah. up and watch the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. Apart uh, from you... the years that I was lucky enough to go. Oh! <laughs> clang! <laughs> <laughs> um, that was so yeah, so, amazing. Yeah, I've done that for 
since I was a teenager. You know, I'd always loved that, and I'd always been obsessed with. Do you old remember Hollywood. your first Oscars? Mm, yeah, uh, I. It was. I think it was. Yeah, it was the year that Cuba Gooding Jr. won with the. Show me the honey. Yeah, the Jeremy uh, Maguire win. Yeah. What won best film that year? Do you remember? stuff like that I can remember emotional things I don't necessarily remember facts <laughs> oh do you remember um, because Cuba cried yeah well yeah because it was quite an amazing speech mm. and he was jumping around all over the place it might have been as good as it gets maybe um, so when I you went know. so when you actually went to the Oscars mm-hmm. um, what did you sit in the auditorium and clap no and no no oh no when if you're a member of the press, you are not inside the auditorium. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's quite small, and it's just filled with nominees and presenters and their plus ones, basically. And Academy members? No, not all the time. No, because there's lots of Academy members, so no, not... No, it's right. really quite, you know, quite small Be on Hollywood standards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, if you go and cover... The whole shebang you're basically just kind of covering the week leading up to it and right. all of the different stuff that's going on and you know you're just kind of interviewing people um and just kind of getting involved with the industry sort of finding out how it all works did you, you know? go to a gifting suite i did go to a gifting oh suite. my bear days. in mind i'm going to a gifting suite as a journalist not as you know angelina jolie of course so you and there is a difference <laughs> between no. the two sadly <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, it's interesting, yeah, the way that it all works, because they're just trying to, basically they're just trying to get the biggest names into their product, mm. so they're just kind of throwing all this stuff. I went to a gifting suite once, I was really lucky, mm-hmm. um, it was, I can't even remember what it was, I think I was just drunk on the fact that I was like, what, I can take this, I thought it was just have a look at some things we've got, and then they put it in a bag, and you're like, this doesn't make any sense. But um, I actually went round that gifting suite with Boyzone and oh. Stephen Gailey. Oh, he was very nice. He was like, "No, no, no. This is this is how it rolls backstage." I can't even can't even remember what event it was. Oh, Stephen Gailey was lovely. I remember oh, once I travelled to an event and I I was car sick, and he was the first person I bumped into at the end of the journey, and he was so nice and he talked to me until I felt a bit better. I remember so nice. I remember getting the text message that he had died, mm. and it, I was on a night out, and so probably a bit drunk, and I sobbed. Yeah, he was really nice. He was a really nice guy. Mm. Um, but um, so was the Oscars the, everything that you thought it would be? Did you see like the gold lame of someone's train or yeah, it the was sparkle of it someone's really, Harry it was, Winston's? It was really, really amazing. Especially so it's because not I like frenetic and choreographed and a bit. Well, I saw sort of quite a few different angles of it. So I went. Once one, I went a couple of times, and one year I went with the E Channel, <gasps> and so I was behind the scenes with the E Channel on the day, um, which was at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel, which is where the very first Oscars was held. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this beautiful old hotel, and uh, and yes, yeah, so I was just sort of watching all the behind the scenes stuff, and it was just so, oh, it was just so exciting, you know, it's just. Yeah, it's just really exciting, and that was quite frenetic because they were obviously having all these different segments mm. to keep things interesting. And it was a slum, Slumdog Millionaire year, so you know, at one point I was sort of st- behind the scenes and I was sort of making notes, and then a load of sort of Bollywood dancers would sort of, you know, go past me, and 
and then you know I'd sort of look up again and you know there was a stylist and you know sort of styling someone in five different ways to look like <laughs> you know Jennifer Lopez or whatever and there was just sort of so much stuff going on um so that was that was just sort of exciting and and just cool because it's something that I'd been interested in you know since I was really young um but I I just sort of liked all of all of it really you know and you're sort of you look you, you look up and Martin Sheen, you can see Martin Sheen checking into the hotel with his wheelie case and you're a massive fan of the West Wing <laughs> West Wing fan as well yeah um so he was sort of checking in there or you know, in, in the airport, and Sasha Baron Cohen was, you know, was at the airport, and so it's it's literally like all of kind of Hollywood gravitates back to this one place, like magnets, and just so there's just tons of stuff migration going on. It is, um, <clears throat> and so just everything's just sort of buzzing. And I was interviewing like a spray tanner, I was interviewing a jeweler, I was interviewing like a stylist. Um, um, a plastic surgeon and then you go to a hotel and all of the drinks are based on the best pic- uh, best picture nominees that year the cocktails are based on that or the manicures are based on that it's just it's crazy and then you put the t- you turn the tv on and they're doing like a sort of swingometer like it's a political race <laughs> of what the which different states will be voting for you know which film and it's it's just it, it's just incredible. Um, so you just feel like you're completely submerged mm. in Hollywood. Um, and then I was lucky enough to go to the Independent Spirit Awards, which are the night before the Oscars. You loved that, didn't you? It was fantastic because it celebrates the independent film industry, which is amazing. And that particular year, it just so happened that all of the nominees who won Best Actor and Best Actress at the Independent Spirit Awards also then went on to win the Oscars so I spent Oscar Day with the uh, four actors and actresses who then you know on the eve of their Oscar win and it was you know Matthew McConaughey Jared Leto Kate Blanchett and Lupita Nyong'o and so you know I got to sort of chat to them hang on the night before they won their Oscars Matthew McConaughey hey hey mm-hmm. and did he give you the did you get the McConaughey's from him I did not get them but he was he was lovely he was just he was really sparkly um, <laughs> maybe go tingly and, and lovely yeah and and also and Brad Pitt was there as well because he produced 12 Years a Slave so he was there too so that was it. so that was that was just felt a bit special you're like hey Brad remember me yeah hi it's from six years ago remember you meet millions of people but do you remember me remember that 30 second yeah where I walked past you <laughs> Um, so yeah, that that it just sort of felt quite special because it's the night before all these people are winning an Oscar, which is in, you know massive for them. Also, Jared, mm-hmm. I feel like I've maligned him on this show, but I want I want to remedy that. Was he a lovely gentleman? Yeah, he was really nice. Um, Did he have a glint in his eye? I found Matthew more glinty. Uh, Jared was <laughs> lovely. Nothing wrong with Jared, but. Um, yeah, he he was he was quite. That's the thing as well about the Independent Spirit Awards in comparison to the Oscars. They can be a bit more relaxed, right? So I just felt like they were all a little bit more loosey goosey down at the beach because they have it in Santa Monica, which is on uh-huh. the on the coast, um, and so it sort of feels a lot more beachy and 
and sort of relaxed. So he, he seems sort of quite relaxed. I've never done the Oscars or the mm. Independent Spirit Awards, but I have been to Cannes a couple of times, mm. and that is known for everyone's just very chilled. Yeah. So it must be a similar vibe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and they had tequila on the tables. You know, there wasn't any champagne. It was sort of tequila and <gasps> Patron. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, any why? Because I have a wild story from Cannes, which is just insane. Do you have any wild stories that you can share? That I can share. Yeah. Um, particularly from the Oscars, or from or from anything. I just feel like it would. I, there's nothing that I could that I, that I could share. I don't think that would, that would be sort of. Interesting and of note. Oh, I don't think. Uh, um. Okay, shall I tell you my can one? Yeah, go on. It's not salacious or, and it's just yeah. it. It was just one of those moments where I got flown out to Cannes. It was very very new, and so didn't really know what was going on, and was just told, you know, bring some nice dresses, and we'll go out in the evening. Yeah, and um, I found myself in the bar of the Martinez Hotel, which is sort of the main uh, hotel on La Croisette and we were all drinking and someone starts playing the piano and it's the guy from the table next to us which we hadn't really noticed mm. and his friends are like come and sing so we all get around this table in the middle of this bar and we start singing and the guy playing the piano is Mickey Walk. oh my god <laughs> and so at some point the sort of drunkenness subsides to make way for the fact of oh yeah he's got the big movie out at the moment because it was when Sin City was released right and there's that moment of I'm singing a song not really sure of the words but that 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 is Mickey Walk 100% and this is me and we're around the same piano and this is insane so that's my like what was he how did he sing what's his singing voice like oh I can't really remember I do think I'd had quite a bit to drink but I think I remember him being quite gravelly yes I can imagine him being having quite a sort of bluesy voice and and yeah and quite cheeky yeah. like that I do believe he liked to raise his eyebrows mm-hmm. or one eyebrow yeah who yeah. doesn't who doesn't I can't I actually don't have the ability mm. so mm. I feel excluded from that um I think um it would just be some of the events that you get to cover and you know you find yourself on the dance floor with people <laughs> that you would never in your wildest dreams imagine that you'd be on the dance on a dance floor with, um, and I remember at a party once, um, and the Kate Moss was there and she was dancing, and it really tickled me because the way that she was dancing was like how girls dance up and down the country, you know, if they're sort of just kind of throwing caution to the wind and just having a laugh, right? And it's just kind of that kind of spin me you know and you go under someone's arm you sort of have a partner and you go under their arm and then you pull them into the you and they spin in and then you know you pull yourself into them down their arm and they spin you back out again so like that dirty dancing of, but not dirty not like, dirty dancing no not cool at all oh. just kind of like rah, you know just having fun right and it was just really funny to sort of see Kate Moss who's just so cool mm. and um, yeah just so cool and then she's just sort of like any girl on any dance floor across the world mm. just having a laugh and that sort of just tickled me a bit <laughs> um, but yeah it's the god yeah from everyone that you've interviewed 
and you've interviewed many, many people. Mm. Is there a particular standout? I think I know what you're going to say. Oh, will you share that with me? <laughs> I'm not I, sure. Because of the experience that you had, I thought that you might say Jackie. Oh, yeah. This is yeah. Jackie Collins. There's a couple of really cool Hollywood ones that I will never forget. And Jackie Collins is definitely one of those. I mean, she was amazing. I loved her. And we did a shoot with her at her house, so I spent the whole day there. And oh, she was so cool. She was so cool. And she ordered pizza from the place where all of her characters in her books always order pizza from for lunch. <clears throat> and, um, and, then, and then in the evening she took me out for dinner... And Where did she take you? Mr. Chow. Oh, my gosh. And that's always in her books as well. And, you know, she's like, oh, I think you should order this. Order the lemon chicken. It's fabulous. You should have a lychee martini there to die for. And, you know, then sort of served me, you know, when the food arrived, she's like, have some of this. Um, and she was just so cool. And Sharon Stone was in there. She came to pay her respects to, to Jackie at one point. And so it was like being in one of her books. It was just the most weird sort of surreal brilliant experience and um and and then she drove me home afterwards as well she was just really cool uh not home what am I talking about I did not live in the Beverly Hills hotel I was there for two nights (laughs) was it the Beverly excited. was it the Pretty Woman hotel no I did stay there once but no I think I was staying in the Beverly Hills hotel at that point um and so that was that was a very cool experience and you know Jackie's kind of obsessed with panthers and her famous character Lucky Sant'Angelo is obsessed with panthers and you know I was interviewing Jackie across her desk in her office what you were lying across her desk I wish no Um, no I yeah (laughs) I've just got that image in my head now (laughs) no reclining in leopard print we both were Um, no and she had all these little sort of crystal panthers on her desk and uh, you know she was sitting under this painting of a leopard and it was, I just don't think you could have got more Jackie Collins if you tried. It was just... No, you, you actually couldn't have. No. And she had all these pictures taken during the day. She was obsessed with taking pictures. So every, all through the day, she was saying, well, let's have a picture here. Let's have, you know, let's have a picture. And then I'd say a couple of weeks later, after I got home, um, an envelope arrived uh, to my home address, handwritten, and it was from Jackie, and it was a... Photo, it was an envelope of all the photos that had been taken on the day of me and her How during the shoot and you know all the different bits of the day and that's what yeah she was cool she She's, was really cool you actually got me one of my prized possessions because I love her books mm. and you I think had lunch with her when she came to London not yeah. long after that yeah. or maybe the next year and um, she signed uh, yeah. She gave, you got me a signed book which yeah. was very generous and kind of you it stay was. lucky yeah, oh, she's the, she's the best. Uh, so yeah, she's yeah, she's definitely one of my favourites. And then I also um, and Hugh Hefner, I'd say, was a pretty. He was a really good one as well. And was he open? Yeah, he was. Um, and that was up at the mansion. So that was a, a sort of incredible experience as well. I got a tour of the grounds and went to the grotto and got to feed the monkeys. 
which is not a euphemism, <laughs> actually for monkeys. And and then yeah, then I interviewed him. In were there lots study. of scantily clad, lovely looking ladies around the place? No, there were lots of gardeners oh. gardening. Uh, but I did meet his three girlfriends at the time. Oh. Afterwards, Holly, no, Bridget. Sadly, it was um. after them. It was the twins oh. and Crystal, who he's now married to. But he yeah, he was a great interview. He was brilliant, and we were talking about love and falling in love, um, and oh god, it just sort of it was kind of like a recap of of everything that he'd done and sort of been through, and it was great. And at one point, he was sort of qu- quoting sort of Frank Sinatra lyrics to me, and I was just thinking, this is just bizarre. Um, and and obviously, he sort of sat there in his silk pajamas and slippers. Wow. Um, went away with a bottle of Playboy water. Did you drink it or did you still have thing. it? I did drink it, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was, that, was, that was a really good one as well. He was really interesting. I just liked always inter- interviewing the ones that had sort of been around for a while mm. and had really been through some stuff and known, Holly, you know, known Hollywood when it was you know, back in the heyday. Why do you think you're drawn to that era? Uh, I like glamour, but I don't like glamour for the sake of glamour. I like it when it's connected to something. So I liked the fact that all these people like, you know, Joan Crawford and Bette Davis and Catherine Hepburn um, were talented. You know, they all were talented actors. Mm. And, and they were glamorous. Yeah. So it wasn't just kind of, it's not just glamour that it wasn't just the glamour that attracted me. It was the fact that you know these people they sort of shine mm. in what they do, and they're drinking you know martinis for breakfast and, um, you know, showering each other with diamonds and bile and <laughs> fine art and insults you know it was just everything was kind of writ writ large Mm. everything was kind of big and unashamed and not unashamed um raw it was quite authentic Mm. in those days like the way that they behaved um because it was before people were told and and all of that kind of stuff yes they were just kind of flawed and interesting yeah um and talented and glamorous think that's I remember I forget I honestly forget who it was you told me about it but um it was somebody who put me on to Terry O'Neill's um presentation at the the celebrity you know the photographer who was married yeah. to Faye Dunham yeah he um he did a, a an exhibition called Celebrity mm. and I think on the opening night or in the previews or something he did a talk mm. and in it he said this is celebrity because Celebrity is now completely changed, and it changed with Princess Diana. Mm. Because before then, there was mystery. There was mm. something a little bit removed. You didn't know all the secrets. Mm. But with Princess Diana being so open and being yeah. the kind of person she was, it kind of opened the gates to mm. the world of and what the life of a celebrity looks like. Mm. And I always actually think I do, but I do think that's quite accurate. Or that it was her particularly. Or that she, or um, I don't know whether I want to say it was Diana specifically because I don't think one person mm. is responsible necessarily no, that was for that a kind of storm change. as well. That was kind of a mixture of lots of things, I think. Yeah, so I do think it's a perfect storm of the internet, 
Mm. Um, and a different type of celebrity yeah. emerging where yeah. all of a sudden, I mean, the most famous people on the planet, arguably, um, are the Kardashians. And we see inside their homes, their bathrooms, their wardrobe, their gym session, you know, nothing mm. is off limits. Mm. They're going, you know, I've seen Kim Kardashian having like gynecological examinations, coming out of surgery, you know, mm. the whole thing. Mm. Whereas the era that you love is the era of the mystery. Yeah, a bit of mystery, but also, I don't know, they, they weren't doing it for that or just for that. You know, it was kind of, you know, they were, like I said, they were really talented. They didn't project perfection either. No, no, not at all. Um, well, well, in some ways they were, I guess. You know, if you think about Marilyn Monroe, like, that was all to do with, you know, the... <laughs> yeah, she was pure image. So, yeah, there, obviously that was, there was an element of that, you know, of course there was, but it was just the fact that it was a bit of everything. It was just mm. the fact that they were very talented people and also just charismatic and like I said interesting Mm. you know they weren't all the same or you know carefully schooled in constructed yeah they they were just I don't know they were just interesting they were all and they were all different you know they all had different stories and different things going on I'm sure I saw interesting I'm sure I saw something recently, and I could be wrong, but I'm sure that um, a letter emerged from somewhere from Joan Crawford to the studio when she was filming Baby Jane, mm. telling them to deal with Bette's body odour or something. Oh, like, God. Well, the thing is, there's so many different stories about things like that, or about such and such, having bad breath mm. or whatever. And obviously we can only ever... We, we don't know, do we? You know, and, and it becomes second-hand. And I think even people who are around now... Mm there'll be these kind of myths told or stories told and you don't know whether they're myth or not. So it's hard to say, but, it, you know, like quotes that are attributed to certain stars and you just sort of think, did they really say that? Mm. It's really, it's hard to sort of tell what's fact and fiction. Um, but it's, I like, I don't know, I, I, I love the Chateau Montmont in L.A., it's overlooking the Sunset Strip, really famous hotel that I think it was built in the either I think it was built in the twenties. Did you ever stay there? I've never stayed there. I've been there a few times, um, but it's just lousy with history. And I love the story <laughs> that I think it was Lana Turner or Jean Harlow who used to stay there, and hang a note on her door and go off to look for men and the note on her door was said gone fishing no yeah but then you sort of think I don't know if that's true or not but I, I do like you story. want it to be true yeah have you ever hung a note on your door saying gone fishing <laughs> <laughs> when you were in halls <laughs> at university <laughs> I hadn't read that story then that's a shame it is a shame um so yeah so I, I love those stories and, and just sort of not knowing, actually knowing whether they're true or not. But it, I do know, for, this is a fact, that at the Chateau Marmont, that's the only time that Marilyn Monroe and James Dean ever met. Oh. Because Shelley Winters wrote about it in her autobiography and she said that James Dean was on his motorbike and he ro- rode round and round and round her in circles, Marilyn Monroe, and she didn't like it. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like... Um, 
anything that's kind of got yeah it's basically lousy with Hollywood history I'm all over that so it's not it's not the gossipy side of it it's like the legend yeah yeah um yeah and it's oh it was just it was so glamorous but I don't know like I said it sort of had it felt like there was some substance to it mm. as well so if you could go if so if you had a time machine and you could go back to a space of time mm. would it be the old Hollywood yeah it would what but then you'd only want to do that if you had money you know you wouldn't want to be in those times with no money no you know I'm just no. thinking I'm idealising it obviously yes um but yeah, it would be amazing. If you could go back in time and see a concert, mm. which one would it be? Elvis. Really? Yeah. The comeback tour in the black leather? Yeah. Or white well, I mean, suit? probably, no, no. No, not white cat suit. No, probably, um, not cat suit, jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you see some footage that I'm not aware of. Um, oh. Yeah, and I think probably at really early days, actually, when it was literally just mental, crazy, crazy. Um, but yeah, the, if, not the, the if not the 68 comeback tour. But I'd love to have seen Elvis. And by seen, I mean sleep with. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would love to have seen Elvis. I think he would have with been... With your cat eye eyeliner, mm. you've got the Priscilla vibe going on. Mm. I reckon he'd be like... Well, we'll never know, will we? We will never know. But yeah, no, him... Or if not him, well, no, him first, and then secondly, I'd love to have seen Queen. <gasps> I sometimes catch myself when I'm drunk and alone, um, <laughs> YouTubing Live Aid, just mm. to watch the, my neighbours hate me, but just to watch <laughs> um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, God, he was amazing. And I was thinking, I was watching an old Queen concert once, and just thinking, oh my God, because I grew up with Queen and not sort of thinking they were very cool mm. you know I liked The Cure and but Susan they weren't Sink. that was what was kind of obscenely amazing about Queen yeah like but Brian May looks like a geography teacher <laughs> um, is it Matt Deacon mm. or is that someone my brother went to school no, with no that's but, I think yeah. someone my brother went to school with um, but his surname is Deacon Roger Deacon oh who's the bass player anyway they all look, Roger Taylor is the drummer that's Duran Duran isn't it I, it's all very incestuous but they all looked a bit like but they they didn't have they didn't scream rock star no, but then, I like that yes. that's what I like about then it's not, it wasn't kind of like cookie cutter stuff mm. and like thinking right what do people want let's try and give that to them it was literally like this is raw talent mm-hmm. here you go and then people would be like wow oh my god I want more of that you know it was a much more authentic experience I think don't know if you knew this about Live Aid so Queen were on early because the headliners were not Queen. The headliners, I can't even remember who they would have been at the time, but they were obviously whoever was big in the charts. And Queen came on, and they were on, if you if you think of the footage, it's in the middle of the day, like it's bright sunshine. Mm. And they were so well received, they came back on and did a second set. The whole set was oh, God, tinkered yes. with. I'd forgotten that. And they yeah. came on and did like a, I think, more acoustic stuff in, yeah. the, in the evening. God. Which I love, because that was like a... a um, a career-making performance. Yeah. But, God, he was good. Unbelievable. It was like he was born to do nothing else. Mm. And it, literally, it was just like he was plugged into the mains. That stage presence is just... I, and I was trying to think... I was thinking afterwards, I, 
I was trying to think of who is like that now, and I just thought I can think of one person, and that is it. Hang on, I'm going to try and have a think. Mm-hmm. One person who's like Freddie. Mm-hmm. Well, in the way that it's like they have been plugged into the mains, and they were born to do this, and they own the stage, and it's like, oh my god, you have to watch them. If you're thinking Britney, I am disappointed. No, I'm not thinking Britney. Are you? Why? Why do I think it's either Britney or Madonna? No, no, I don't think either of them have got that. They're they're great in their own right, mm. both of them. But I'm thinking of only one person these days that has got that unbelievable stage presence that screams for you to look at them, and they are just born to entertain, and they are just full of electric. You have to put me out of my misery. Okay. Uh, oh no, give me clues then. Okay, I'll I can tell that you want to really play obvious. guessing. Really By the way, listeners, I know this is tedious, but Marcia knows you well enough to know that if it comes to <laughs> guessing something, I don't like to be given the answer. I like three clues and then I'll be given okay. the answer. <clears throat> um, she is a fan of citrus beverages. Oh, JLo. Oh, 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 lemonade, oh, Beyonce, I get it, I get it. Oh, oh, oh. That's, she's the only person I can think of that, like, screams for you to just look at her but and... having said that, I went to see her at Wembley years ago and left early because it was so dull. Oh. Well, it was literally like... That's my theory in there. But, the no, no, I've seen her since and lost my voice, was screaming, <laughs> like, was, was prepared... So what's the difference? Um, I, stage manager, she's just choreography. Yeah, yeah, and I think also without reading too much into it, I think sort of her work now is probably more authentic. Yeah. Whereas before it was like pop, R and B type, yeah. and she was amazing. But this, that when I saw her recently, when she when she toured with the um, the first visual album, which I've forgotten the name of, but that was brilliant. And then Jeez, Jeezy. <laughs> Jay-Z. He's oh, a, yeah. He's yeah, a your pet name for him. It's <laughs> a cheap version of Jay-Z. <laughs> Jay-Z. Um, Jay-Z came out, and I swear, I lost my mind. Yeah. But I forgot until very recently when I was doing karaoke with Nadine Baggett, former podcast guest, and we were doing American Boy. She was Kanye, because <laughs> she's a brilliant rapper. <laughs> she really genuinely is. Um... I forgot that I had been at the MTV Music Awards in Liverpool, the European ones. I'd met Jared Leto there. Uh-huh. That's where I met Paris Hilton. And um, Kanye performed American Boy, and it was November the 8th or something, so it was the day that Obama was voted in. Uh-huh. And the very last beat of the song was American Boy, and they flashed up this picture of Obama, and all uh-huh. this like red, white, and blue confetti came out and filled the arena. And again, I honestly thought this thing, this arena is going to take off. Mm. That was it's incredible. Amazing, isn't it? it doesn't happen very often, stuff Mm-mm. like that. No. Um, yeah. I want that Kanye back. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's Beyonce and Freddie Mercury are obviously completely different, and I feel like Freddie Mercury was also more sort of raw, mm-hmm. and it was just sort of that was just who he was. That was just him up there, raw, whereas. Obviously, Beyonce has gone through a few different polishes, but yes. she does have that that stage presence. Mm. That's what they have in common. She has that amazing, electrifying stage presence, where it's just like, oh wow, what's going on? This is a force of nature. Yeah. She likes <laughs> citrus drinks. Well, 
She does. If her new album is to be believed. I haven't listened to it yet. No, I haven't. We're so old school. We'll wait for it to come out on cassette. I know that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, we're going to have to wrap up our time together. Because oh. we've got dinner with Lizzie to go to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we don't be late for... <laughs> To destroy the illusion. No, our girl cannot be kept waiting because I think she's still hungover from the weekend, (laughs) if truth be told. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for telling me about your Weight Watchers journey. Ah, it's a pleasure. All the links to Marcia's um, column and your Instagram Mm. will be in the show notes. Cool. And I will also be including the links to your two biographies, the first on Kate Middleton and Prince Harry. Yeah. And all of your other projects. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be quite long and I'll also be including links to teleportation to old Hollywood um, thanks I'm, I'm sure I can find one of those on the internet mm. somewhere maybe not now maybe on Craigslist there you have it all of the links to Marcia and her work will be in the show notes including her Instagram handle at www.marcia I urge you to follow her weight loss journey And I just wanted to take a couple of moments to say thank you to everybody who's been emailing into the show. It's so lovely to hear from you. And to anyone who's made any requests, uh, they will be appearing in future episodes, so do stay tuned. And don't forget, if you're listening on iTunes, please do leave me a review and a rating. Thanks again. See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.